just like most episodes, this one contains strong language. Who are Kenyatta and Jack? We're just friends who are Gen Xers, former Air Force brats, parents, taxpayers, and citizens of the Earth. And we're here to save it one podcast at a time. Welcome to Solid Gold, now in stereo. Introducing the Solid Gold dancers, Darcel, Pam, Beverly, Jamila, Cooley, Mark, Irene, and Nicole. And ladies and gentlemen, Miss Dion Warwick. Oh, uh, oh, oh, I'm sorry. It, this, that's, that's not this show. Okay, my bad. Start <laughs> um, welcome, listening friends, to Kenyatta and Jack Save the World. Don't worry, I'm back on track. It's, it's already been a long week. Bear with me. As always, he is Jack. And as always, I am Daffy Duck. I, I'm Damn. sorry, guys. <laughs> I'm sorry. I had dental work today. I really didn't have that many drugs, so I can't excuse it. But if you've been listening a while, you know that I am Kenyatta. And <laughs> we are here with you again on this fine, fine December evening. I, oh, Daddy. Wait, what? Oh, sorry, sorry. Um, Jack, can you take it from here? I just... Yeah. Mm, I just I'm going to... Mm. I'm going to say, based on the fact that the 15 feet it took to go from the car to the door, because it's 1,000 degrees in Oklahoma, it is definitely not December. It is also pretty toasty here, so yeah. yeah. Let me get let me get oriented. We'll, right. we'll, I'll get the train back on the rails, I promise. I promise. Wait, based upon the solid gold intro earlier, now you're talking about train? Are you talking about perhaps a soul train? Love, peace, and hair grease. Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> and now we take you to the Soul Strain Scramble Board. <laughs> she interrupted me recording to ask if I was recording. <laughs> Tell her I love her. <laughs> Tell her she's my new bestie. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, it was fun listening to uh, you guys chat about Amber Turd and Jonathan Depp. I had a ball, an absolute ball. And there were some some things that we brought up that, you know, as I mentioned to her beforehand and while we were recording, it wasn't something I followed closely. I would see the highlights every, you know, every day. But when we got to the part of her, you know, defecating right. uh, in, in the bed, I was like, I said to this day, and probably for a long time, that will baffle me. That will baffle me. The reason yeah. behind that, only she knows. So, I don't know. You know, I have been incredibly mad at people. Like, irate. Seeing Red mad. And never once have I thought, you know, I'm going to go shit on their side of the bed. Yeah, that's <laughs> a completely legitimate response. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, and granted, I you know, there's no telling what the two of them had to endure to, at each other's hands. 
there's that. But like you said, I have been shaking with rage mad at people. I have never thought about pooping in their bed. Yeah, I, that's that in itself is a sign of needing a therapist, in my opinion. I hope they both do. I hope they yeah, both no, do. No, they care. both do, but I'm just going to say that shitting mm-hmm. on someone's bed is, mm-hmm. in my mind, slightly crazier. I will take that bet. Yes, I will. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. But yeah, I, I, we had a great time talking. I, I absolutely love I absolutely love your missus. She's fantastic. And I, I see why y'all get along. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I guess. <laughs> I mean, it works for y'all. Why not? <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So, of course, actually, we're kind of talking about this slightly out of order. Because we're recording for slightly in the future, so you can go on vacation. But, hey, our listening friends do understand. We all need vacations. Yes. Heavens to bets, yes. Uh, But we still wanted you to get your weekly dose of us saving the world, so we're recording a couple extra during the week to, to make sure you guys get the proper saving the world evangelism that you need from us. (laughs) <laughs> here we art at yeah, yeah. the podium uh, willing, yeah. to, willing to preach the word for the day that's right that's right be kind that's our our main thing it is no matter what we say be kind and start from love because we do we do uh, and you know love oftentimes contains harsh truths so yeah. and when that's we're- what we do when we're telling you that, you know, Representative Matt Gates is a horrible piece of crap, we're saying that out of love for him, so he'll be less of a piece of crap. You know, in case he's listening or someone wants to pass the word, let him know. We want better for him. We do. We definitely do. No matter what it takes. And if it takes a small stint in prison because you like to sexually traffic women, that will make you a better person. I believe and so. And we're saying that, you know... Sometimes, you know, out of love, you have to discipline somebody. Correct. Correct. Tough love, they call it. Yeah. Tough yeah. love. So, exactly. yeah. Exactly. So, you know, the Bible says not to spare the rod. And Matt Gates needs to have... Don't do it. Uh, Don't yeah, you... I'm, I'm stopping now. Okay, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that ended up... I realized as I was Woo! going, oh, wow, that, that could have a totally different meaning. Let's stop now. <laughs> going there. Stop. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. So, what's your WTF? Well, this is a bit of recent news in the last uh, week or so, and oddly enough, it wasn't something I saw on as a big old headline, but it has been carried on major news outlets. So. Uh, this is the story of a Mr. Desmond Ricks, who was released from from prison in 2017 after 25 mm-hmm. years after he was convicted of murdering his friend. Okay, shooting him outside of a restaurant in 1992. At the time, police seized a gun that belonged to his mother and said it was the murder weapon. However, in 2016, the Innocence Project asked a judge to take another look at the evidence they had. And 
come to find out that photos of two of the bullets that were taken from the victim did not resemble the bullets that were examined by a defense expert before the trial. The mm. actual bullets, mm. the actual bullets were in police storage, and this is taking place in Detroit, I might add. So he was released from prison in 2017 behind the Innocence Project's investigation. Mm-hmm. They granted him a new trial. A judge granted him a new trial, but the prosecutors instead dropped the charges. Right. That frequently happens when the Innocence Project gets you released. Yes. Because they are some of the hardest working people I have ever seen. Yeah. They are not a joke. And just a just a little side note, related side note, Netflix has a very good series, series um, called The Innocence Files that is based on some of the cases that the Innocence Project has taken up over the years. Okay. If you have you have interest in true crime stories, that is definitely one to check out. It is very well done. Okay. So, behind uh, Desmond Ricks being released, the city of Detroit now has agreed to pay this man $7.5 million. What does that break down to? How many years was he in prison again? Well, damn it, you're making me math. No, no, no. You say that, but here's the last part of this article that I'm referring to, and this is on the NBCnews.com website. He actually received more than a million dollars from the state for his wrongful conviction and $500,000 for each year in custody. Because he was awarded seven million, seven and a half mil by the city, he will likely have to repay it. Now that Detroit has awarded him a bigger sum. That oh, is outrageous. Of course. You took 25 years of this man's life after you drummed up some BS evidence. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. And you let him out finally. You know, oh, no, we don't need to give him a new trial. We'll just drop the charges. Like, sorry, here's some money. It doesn't matter what you give someone like that. You took away a part of his life. You yeah. took away the better part of his life. Granted, he's only 56, but... Still. You took away a, a good chunk of his life. No, they they took away the... In terms of just everything, the, the best sort of gears that he could have done whatever mm-hmm. a person does with their life. So, thanks, Detroit. Thanks for that. It just... And, and like those, you know, a lot of the... Like, like we just mentioned, a lot of the cases that the Innocence Project tackles has to do with stuff like that it's usually either some kind of evidentiary issue or some problem with witnesses but when i tell you them people work hard and they dig up everything they can and they get submissions for thousands of cases a year they are swamped and it's it's very difficult for their staff to whittle down what cases they handle but when they decide to do it they do it they do work so Listening friends, if you ever get a chance, check out their website. Check out the um, the mini series on Netflix. It will outrage you. It will it will it will piss you off the way the so called justice system likes to work. Yeah, America. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I just mm, okay. Yes. So that's mine for for this episode. I just. Yeah, when if the Innocence Project takes on your case, you're they 
I think they have what isn't it like a ninety percent success rate? Yeah, it is. High. It is insanely high. Yeah. and I know they took on uh, making a murderer's Stephen Avery. They did. I don't know if they took his nephew's case on, um, but he—that one is a whole other thing. And that—that <laughs> that of course, obviously, would could be multiple podcasts unto itself. Yeah. <laughs> um, my thing on that was he was a freaking hoarder, yet he cleaned up the entirety of the blood from when he murdered her in his room. But there was not a drop of blood, but every, all the rest of it was dirty, and then he was good enough to put dust on everything. Anyway. There were there so many, so many holes in that. So much. So yeah. much wrong with that. On um, Concerning him and his nephew, there was so many things wrong. Yeah, yeah, Ooh. for sure. Definitely. Boy. But yeah, no, the... Innocent project takes it on. You're probably going to eventually get get out because that lady that does that, she does not screw around. None of those people screw around. Yeah. None of them. They are dead serious about their work. Yeah, and I I appreciate it, but the fact that we have to have an organization out there like that to to check and balance the judicial system is a it's a mind blower. It's a mind blower. And granted, there's there's no institution that is a hundred percent anything. But for them to dig up these cases that they do and to find the errors, some of them, in most of these cases, some of them are just, how like, let me, my $5 word, egregious. And right. it's, they're like huge, big old smoking holes in the middle of the cases. And they're like, how in the world did this even? Yeah. Yeah. So that is my WTF moment or, or story for this episode. What do you have for us today? Well, mine is just how in the name of Cheesecake Factory Cheesecake can you see all of the evidence coming out of the January 6th commission and think that it's all lies and still support Orange Jesus? It's all of the people that are being interviewed are mega Trumpers. The difference is their line for Trump is we will do everything that we can for you up until it involves me going to jail, except for maybe Rudy Giuliani and Sidney Powell and Steve Bannon. They look, they will go to jail for him and maybe Michael Flynn. But all of these other people were hardcore Trumpers. If Betsy DeVos quits over January 6th and lying about the election, that should tell you it's not a lie. If William Barr quits because of this, that should inform you it's not a lie. All of these people are talking in their, you know, backing up each other's stories and everything that's happening. It just keeps coming out. More people backing it up. More people backing it up. But they're all lying in this big, massive plot to get Orange Jesus. Because he's the only one that's being truthful in this. Just him and Don Jr. Even his own daughter admitted that it was BS. Yeah. They're all lying. But only only the two Donald Trumps are telling the truth. Everyone else is lying. <sighs> How can you do those mental gymnastics and then to not even be mad that the dude raised $250 million for legally getting the election overturned and not one drop of it went to that it all just went in his pocket and that doesn't piss you off because all of it 
those 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 Trumpers that have now supposedly turned tail and have decided to either testify live or give their statements or whatever the case may be, they're all traitors. Okay. Oh yeah, they they got to them. Yeah, they're all traitors, and um, whatever evidence the committee continues to find and come up with is all fake. Right. That, that's how. That's I'm. Um, um, I know. That's how they they have to be justifying it that way. They have to. Everybody that ends up against him, regardless of where they started out, everyone that ends up against him or says something against him or makes him look or paints him in a bad light at any point during this is a traitor. Yeah. Pure and simple. That's, the- it has to be an easy explanation because I don't, I don't believe any of these people are thinking critically. They can't be. They it's, can't be. It's like Simone Biles level mental gymnastics. Yeah, she was pretty damn good. Or is pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It yeah. is. That that to hear all of it without oh, they're just lying. No, yeah. they're not. There's a certain point where it's it happened. And the fact that you can't accept it is mind boggling. And part B of this whole thing is these people that are going and then testifying, oh, he knew it was a lie. Yeah, he did, you know, cause this, you know, sedition and this insurrection and all of that stuff. But if he's the nominee, I'm going to vote for him. Did you learn anything, you dumbass? Do, do you not think that if he doesn't get elected again, that he's going to do everything in his power to remain in power? And, oh, I don't know, maybe pull off one of his favorite people thing, you know. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe pull some Joe Stalin type stuff mm-hmm. or some, you know. Mm. Although he is big on the, uh, you know, the Kims in North Korea. And, and that's another thing. All of these people that were so pissed off when Obama uh, bowed to whoever it was he bowed to are, have, are in no way, shape, or form mad. Donald Trump literally saluted a freaking North Korean general. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm gonna say at least when Obama did it, you know, as the president, you don't do that crap. I get that, but at least he did it to a you know someone that's royalty, quote unquote. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so go figure. At least figure. that was you know a king and not a general of a North of North Korea. It wasn't even like a good army. It wasn't like. You know, he did it to a general in a UK army or France. It was f- freaking North Koreans army. <laughs> so. Anyway, yeah, that's mine. <laughs> just dumbfounded. Well, just to, just to piggyback, because there was there's a term for that. Um, when people make a certain decision or, or decide, you know, to engage on a particular course of action. And the further they go along or the longer they believe in it, they realize they're wrong. But they continue to go down the path that they've chosen because they've invested time and energy and a great deal of, I guess, brain power right. to believing that what they decided to do, or in this case, decide who to believe, is better than changing their minds. Right, because you don't want to look like you're an idiot or stupid. Never mind that to a good deal of people, especially when we're talking about this business, to a good deal of people, those folks do already look stupid. But right. they don't think that. Or they think it and they'll never say it out loud. Because yeah. they, they've already gone probably since 
what, 2015, believing this. And as things keep happening and blood keeps being shed and lies keep getting told and the defecation keeps hitting the oscillation, they keep believing it and they keep going and they keep going because to do anything else costs too much. Yeah, because you can't have been in that cult for five years and then all of a sudden be like, well, you know, I was wrong. People, people, just everyone's ego sort of has a hard time mm-hmm. admitting when you were that wrong. If you're Sean Hannity or Laura Ingram, at this point, you can't. You have to double down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because as soon as you come out and say, I knew the whole time that it was bullshit, you probably lose any a certain amount of credibility with your audience on that particular channel. Because that's their brand. That's that's right. that's who they they've already positioned themselves to be. Whether it's about Trumpers or whether it's about anything conservative, that's their thing. To do yeah. anything else, like you said, it would cost them everything. Then what would they be? Yeah, broke people, like yeah. you know, most of the rest of us. Yeah, I, I have. It, it is just so. It's just weird. I mean, there are eight hundred people, over eight hundred people, that are currently in some sort of. You know, their legal issues have already gone to court and ended from January 6th. And a good mm-hmm. chunk of them are in jail. A good chunk are on house arrest. A good chunk are on, you know, 15 years of probation and all sorts of stuff. All for this guy that isn't worth it. Like he never promised you a thing. Yeah. The only thing he, he, the only thing you just, how do I put it? Cause he never really, said anything it wasn't as though he was saying let me get this country back for you it was more like we're going to make this country great again in parentheses for people like me right (laughs) and he then he he guided these people that were willing to be guided and threw them out there like cannon fodder and now they're looking stupid and stuck and you know during the 20 16 election cycle i got into so many arguments they're like this man gave up a lot so that he could run for the people and i'm like you're the people he doesn't like do you know how many people in your economic status if you decide he wants the land that you have that he will do whatever it takes to screw you out of your land mm-hmm. the people like you that own catering companies and he'd throw these lavish parties with fifty thousand dollar bills and he'd just tell them send him a check for ten thousand dollars because they don't have the legal funds to fight me for the other 40 in court. Correct. And he, and, he counts and he did, on that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And he did that to people like you, you know, <laughs> that he came down from his tower to, you know, to be a man of the people. No. No. <laughs> that He doesn't like you. He despises you. And I think it, I don't even know if it's that. Because when, when you talk about not liking or hating or despising someone, you mean... That it, to me, it gives the impression that someone is actively doing something. He doesn't care. Right. Yeah. No. Yeah. You're right. He doesn't think twice about them people. Yeah. He, in, unless, of course, he needs somebody to do something for him, and then he's concerned only to the point that he has to be, and then la ti da, on to the next thing, on next, on to right. the next con job, whatever. Yeah. Donald Trump definitely likes Donald first. Mm-hmm. Then he likes his kids. Then maybe his wife. His kids definitely come before his wife, though. <laughs> and and then maybe three or four other people. And then after that, if you weren't those people, he doesn't... We're all equally worthless to him. 
Well, maybe not equally worthless. It is there is a a sliding scale of worthless. I, you know, obviously, mm. obviously, if you're from south of the Texas border, you're a lot more worthless than say somebody that makes thirty thousand a year in white America. <laughs> you know, because but, that's what that's what him and generations of folks before him have managed to convince. Yeah, they have so. managed to convince all those. Even them, them dirt poor ones. Yep. You know, hey, you're better than so and so, and and so and so, and your next door neighbor, and the guy in the next town, because yada yada yada. Fill in the blank. Whatever you need to tell them to get them behind you, that's what you'll tell them. Like, and I remember this vividly from when he when he ran and he was promising to bring back coal job. They still ain't there. Guess what? Hey, 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 coal. Is a non-renewable resource. Ta-da! Yeah, yeah. And once it's gone, it's gone. Yeah, well, the good news is Joe Manchin has taken up that mantle for him on coal. Sure. Mm-hmm. You know, good old, good old Joe Manchin living in his yacht on a river in D.C. He can kindly and immediately go straight to the nearest hill. Like, I'm so sick of him. I am, too. Please stop declaring that you're on this side of it when you're really on the other side of it. And it's for no other reason than to line your pockets. Please stop wasting people's time. Please stop. Oh, I know. And he has this stuff. And honestly, I just think I just think that's a man that's like the the amount of sort of power he has right now is the 50th vote. He's just like it's like his Viagra. He loves it. You know, he loves it. Yeah. I think that's the only reason he's doing crap is just because it's his Viagra. Because <laughs> he, he knows he can hang stuff up. And so he just does it because yeah. ah, I think I'm going to go ahead and fuck around with the Senate vote today. What do you think? Yeah. yeah, and, yeah. Then, <laughs> and here's the other thing that I wish that his people in West Virginia would hold that man accountable for. He agrees to certain things. He'll agree to whatever the package is. They'll have negotiations because they got to make Manchin happy. He agrees to it. And then, like, three days before the vote, oh, no, I, I can't vote for that. You know, because this um, line uh, 72 through 80 on page uh, 410, yeah. I have problems with the phrasing yeah. of that. That That's going to be a no for me. What? I, I agreed to it earlier, but... Eh. <laughs> I slept on it. It's not I, good for me. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm going to make, a, I'm gonna make a, good, a good uh, transition here. Okay. Speaking of privilege, because oh. him and Trump have a good, decent amount of privilege, <laughs> we're going to talk about privilege. <laughs> and Yay. now, while the, there are aspects of white privilege that are there, you know, if you're white and you're walking around a grocery store, undercover security doesn't necessarily follow you like if you're, say, not white. <laughs> mm. So, you know, so there is that and that is privilege and I'm not downplaying that, but it is also a lot more because when you sort of have, you know, economic means that other people have, just having free time is privilege and people Correct. don't understand that. Yes. And maybe after we point out a few things <laughs> today, there'll be situations that you realize, holy crap, I had, I just didn't realize what a difference certain things make in your life mm-hmm. on how easy on how it can help you in the poverty circle. Yes. Most definitely. Cause privilege also is yes, there's white privilege and I'm not doubting that, but privilege is also having 
some economic means as well. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, that is absolutely right. And so we're going to talk about that, and Joe Manchin and Donald Trump can take their privilege and wrap it up into a tight little ball, and then not lubricate it and shove it up their rectal orifice. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> as a as a as as I heard once, and it's been years, but I love I love I love trotting it out. They can roll that up and smoke it. That's right. Well, they might enjoy that. I don't know, because, you know, crow tastes pretty bad sometimes. That's true. Sort of related, I used to tell people, I would say, you know, I tell you to go F yourself, but people get pleasure from masturbation, and I don't want you to receive any pleasure ever. So, don't. (laughs) (laughs) And then, of course, they stand there confused, like, what? So, okay. And that's where you know you've won. (laughs) Right. (laughs) That's when you know you've won. You just walk away. All yeah. you're thinking about is what you're going yeah, to have for lunch. So, yeah. yeah. And I want to point out, though, that I initially with those people did start out from a position of kindness, but within five minutes they pointed out that they were horrible people, so I felt that it was okay to make that comment to them. Fair enough. Fair enough. Thank you. Yeah. It was done out of love. It was. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. And I transition us back to the beginning. <laughs> beautiful we're getting the hang of this <laughs> now introducing our solid gold dancers ah. <laughs> bam but you know it's not not <laughs> but um yeah sort of it's things that people have that you that are like everyday things that you just don't realize contribute to not breaking the cycle of poverty mm-hmm Having to go to a laundromat to wash your clothes instead of having a washer and dryer at home. Yep. If you've never had to go to a laundromat, that's like four hours out of your day. God, yes. And if you have to wait until your kids get home from school, then you have to have your kids with you, and you're helping them do homework in the laundromat while you're, you know, at the same time doing your doing your laundry and all of that stuff. Yeah, you might be using eight machines at once. But it still takes four hours. I think. I think. Just. I think laundry mats are quite possibly um, wormholes. Um, that no matter how well organized you are, when you start out, once you get in there, and you know, for me back in the day, it was just me and my kid, so it wasn't like we had a whole lot to do. But considering, just like you said, needing to find a time to do it because weekends were the worst. Right. So I would usually hit up on a weeknight or the, in the evening during the week. I would take her with me and mm. she would have either some homework or something to do because, you know, kids get bored. Yep. I'd nail down three machines right next to each other because you got to do it like that. You got to keep your stuff together. Yep. You got you to start them all at the same time. So you got to time it. You got to time it. And then, of course, you know, get your stuff out of the washer and depending on where you are. I'm gonna. I don't know of a laundromat that really has good machines. Not that I've been to a whole lot, but there's just something about laundromat machines that just they don't speak to efficiency. Right. So you're waiting. Then you got to catch the dryers and make sure you put that all in there. And the same thing with the dryer. You only get so much time, obviously. And then you know you've spent X amount of quarters, or you've gotten a little card or whatever. Yeah. Your stuff out of the dryer and it's half dry, especially like towels and jeans and stuff like that. And you're like, I gotta go put it back in. 
We can't go home yet, God. Yeah, if you are a family of five, a week's worth of laundry at a laundromat is going to cost you at a bare minimum 25 bucks. Yep. A bare minimum. Mm-hmm. And depending on the settings they have on dryers, because it may have a setting on there for 60 minutes, but a quarter only gets you like 15. And, and obviously, <laughs> so, you know, they rig those things on purpose for you to have to come back and do a second round. And yeah. That's just the way it is. But it's the time spent having to load up the car and, and like in both and, our cases, load up the kids. And if you have a car. Imagine taking all that shit in a bus. God knows. And I've, I've, I've seen people come off the bus with those little listening friends. You might know what I'm talking about. They look like they're plastic bag, but it's like some nylon stuff. They're, and they have those funny little plaid patterns on them. They're big, huge bags with the handles. Yeah. You know, you lug them around. I've seen people lugging yeah. laundry, lugging groceries. And I'm like, huh. And I have to stop, you know. Just like what we're talking about, I have to stop and think. I can't imagine having to do that on the regular. Yeah, and, you know, this may sound weird, but get up sometime at 2 in the morning and go to a 24-hour laundry mat, and it will be have some very tired-looking people in there mm-hmm. that are doing laundry. Mm-hmm. And that is probably because it was the only time they could do it, and their kids needed clean clothes. Yeah. And rather than... And they maybe were lucky and got somebody that could stay with the kids while they were sleeping. And it was just easier to go and do it at midnight. Yes. And and, you, and you'll see somebody that's just exhausting. Well, if you have a washer and dryer at home, you can do a load of laundry at night. Yeah. It doesn't take anything out of you. You do it. Go do the other crap you got to do around the house. Well, it's done. Go throw it in the dryer. Oh, you know, that's so much easier. And if you never stop and think about it, that is really having a washer and dryer is a privilege. It, it is. It it is something as weird as it sounds that can prevent the breaking of a poverty cycle. It, it makes it makes an entire bit of sense. It does because we're talking about and and bef- and just like you said, easily for a family of four or five doing a week's worth, and you don't want to go much longer than a week when you have a family of a certain size. So you're easily talking about a hundred and some dollars just for the laundry. Okay. Yeah. Let's say, let's say you're lucky enough to have a car. Okay. You spend a little bit, you spend some gas depending on how far away it is. Mm-hmm. But now your time is taken up when the thing of it is, is that time could have been spent at home, obviously helping the kids, obviously. And depending on if you make it there at a decent time, it's, Maybe in the evening, depending on what kind of job you have, it may be at six, like you said, two in the morning or eight in the morning while the kids are at school. Because the job you have, you work nights. You got to find time that's convenient for you. And sometimes that takes away from, let's say, time that you may have spent doing something else where you didn't have to spend money. That makes any sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, like, I can go in. I'm doing laundry right now. We're recording this podcast, and I am washing clothes right now. If I did not have a washer and dryer at home, I would not, you know, I would not be able to do that. I can wash dishes and do laundry at the same time. Mm-hmm. So you, you, when you have it at home, you can kill, you know, multiple birds with one stone mm-hmm. because you're at home. And then to talk about like my current washer and dryer, especially my washer, it's like super efficient. I can literally 
throw one shirt in there and the washer weighs the shirt and it knows the amount of lot you know clothes clothing in the washer and it will literally fill up the bottom of the basin with like a half inch of water to just wash that one thing you can't do that if you're going to the to a laundromat you have to because you're not going to go for one shirt and even then it's not efficient enough to just wash you know with a half inch of water which of course saves you on you know money and all of that junk mm -hmm. so it's it's the time that people don't understand yep on top of you know sort of just the pain in the ass of having to go to a laundry which sort of as you mentioned loading up your car brings us to the second thing if you have a car yep that also helps break a poverty cycle and is being able to get up, even if you have a shitty job, and drive to wherever your shitty job is, not having to take public transportation. Obviously, I'm not talking about like a place like New York City where everybody, you know, sure. does that. But yeah. you know, but for the for the rest of us, we live in car driven economies, mm -hmm. and not being able to drive to work once again is time because if you're taking a bus. And you, if you got to be at work at 12, you know, with a car, you can get in your car at 1130 and you're at work at 12. If right. you have to take the bus, you got to leave at 930. Mm -hmm. And I'll, I'll tell you that um, one of the places I worked at some years ago happened to sit right next to a bus stop. But where I live at, and I'm sure this is the, the well, it just so happens for our particular city, the population is such as they had buses run unlike our schedules, give or take. So just like you said, if you're, if somebody's shift started at nine o'clock, they'd have to be up and out the door by, or at the, at the bus stop by eight. And that's, then that's all dependent on whether or not their closest bus stop was on the route that would be on the same route that would take them straight to work or close to another stop where they could change route. Okay, so you had to yeah. plan well in advance to make sure that you hit all the stops that you needed to to get to work on time. And then, like I said, the place I worked at was a, a, a call center. So with call centers, you have to have a certain amount of staffing at certain periods of the day. So whenever somebody's shift ended, unfortunately, they couldn't just log out of their phones and get up and go. We actually had to give them, we actually had to clear them and say, it's okay. You know, if the right. call volume was okay. Yeah, everybody with six o'clock, see you later. Sometimes, though, if call volume was heavy at that particular moment, let's say five to six o'clock in the evening, we'd be like, hey, we got to hold you. And we could hold people for up to a half hour past their designated end of the shift. And unfortunately, that would mean they would miss the next bus that came along and they would have to another wait at least another hour for the next one to come along. Right. Yeah. And that's what I'm. All of a sudden, you know, if you have an eight-hour job and you're making, even if it's, you know, twelve bucks an hour, not that that's like glorious. I'm just saying twelve bucks an hour. You still have, you know, three, four hours just commuting to work mm -hmm. on and public not, transport or transportation. Yeah. Not to mention if you have another job. Exactly. That you got to get to, and then you know that that's a whole other thing altogether. Is you have to do the same kind of, you know strategic coordination to make sure you get from this place to this place to leave you enough time. And oftentimes if you, if you run into an issue where you're two seconds late for the bus and you miss too many days at a job, um, they'll show you the door. No questions asked. 
Yeah, yeah. And, you know, if you're working eight-hour shift and then you have four hours on public transportation getting to work, well, there's 12 hours out of the day. Mm-hmm. You, you're not going to be able to help your kids with homework. You're not going to be able to, you know, go watch your kids in sports or take them to sports or, mm-hmm. you know, all of sort of the affiliated stuff, which sort of led me to another topic. Having a nine-to-five job is mm-hmm. kind of privileged. And I used to work retail, and I love my nine-to-five job compared to retail. Mm-hmm. But if you factor in the previous things we've talked about and not having a nine-to-five job, you're even, you know, it's like the more these things tie in together, the further behind the, you know, the eight ball you get. Mm-hmm. And it's yep. it's compounding. Yes. it's That's why it is so hard for people to get out of a poverty cycle. It is. It is. You, it's all the little things that you spend money on don't give you any breathing room. Yeah. They, they really don't. All these things add up. Not just money for going to the laundromat, but money's for, you know, a bus card. Money for, or gas money. Let's say you get lucky enough, to, you know, to find somebody nearby that can give you a ride. Okay, you're chipping in gas money. There's that. But it, 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 there's there's so many, when you're stressing trying to make these things work, it doesn't exactly leave you in a mindset to, it doesn't put you in the best mindset to aspire higher. And I'm not saying that it doesn't happen. It obviously does, but it makes it difficult. It stresses you more than it should. I'll put well, it it's, yeah, somebody's obviously wants to get the promotion at work and right. this and that. But when you're so constantly stressed out and worried about everything, because, mm-hmm. you know, or the kid, you know, the kids got this and I got this and all of this stuff and you're just constantly stressed out and then you have a job that maybe doesn't pay great, <laughs> you know, yeah. it, that doesn't help and it just adds up and it adds up and it adds up and it adds up. And that's why sometimes you'll see some, I understand why people that maybe work at McDonald's sometimes are grumpy. <laughs> I do because you know depending on where you are and how much that particular McDonald's might be paying. Okay, granted, you may you may like the job. I'm not saying obviously not everybody that works in you know quick service or food service does it because they have to. A lot of people do it because they like doing it. Right. I don't have I have no issue with that whatsoever because I have some of the best people I have ever met have worked in retail or some kind of retail. There's a gift for dealing yeah. with people like that, but depending on where you are, granted, you're not going to pay. You're not going to make a whole whole lot of money, even if you climb the ladder and make it up to you know shift manager or assistant manager, or whatever, what have you. They may get a considerable amount of money, but let's just say, you know, you're at that mid level. You've been there some years. You still may not be making a whole lot of money. What do you do? You either try to promote, get promoted. Or you just got to go out and get another job altogether yeah. as a second job, not a replacement job, but a second job. Because just like you said, you're in survival mode. You're not thinking about you're, you're thinking laterally. You're not thinking upward. Not a right. lot of the times. And I can say this from personal experience that I was so focused on surviving it and making it from day to day that my thoughts of sitting down and cleaning up my resume were somewhere way down on the list. 
Because you're just too tired. You're just too tired to do it. You know, if you're treading water and you might look over and be like, oh, man, hey, there's a there's a nice what is it? The big donut thing they throw in when you're drowning. That's over there. But God dang, I've been treading water for for several minutes. All I can do is get to this pool noodle. Yeah. Kenyatta, we have just been going on here for a minute, and I think this episode is going to end up being a bit long. How do you feel about turning it into a two-parter? Well, why not? It's a first for us, and I'm sure our listening friends wouldn't mind tuning in for the rest of what we got to say today, so definitely. All righty. So, guys, we will uh, finish this up next week. We'll probably jump straight into it, because I... Neither one of us were prepared with the second WTF, so we'll be WTF-less next week. So uh, we'll talk to you then, I guess. But we're going to keep going and just get right back into recording. So there you go. As always, thank you for listening to our podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review, hit that like button, and subscribe on your preferred podcast platform. Your feedback is valuable, and we welcome it. If you would like to contact, connect with, or just want to see what we talk about between episodes, you can find us on Facebook under our podcast name, on Instagram at K-A-Y-A-N-D-J-A-Y-S-T-W, our website, podpage.com, slash Kenyatta-Jack-Save-The-World or email at k.j.savetheworld at gmail.com. If you would like to learn about and contribute to our chosen charities, you can do so at Service Dog Project at servicedogproject.org and Black Women's Health Initiative at bwhi.org. Kenyatta and Jack Save the World is a product of Hyper Focus Podcasts.